the more you look into it, the more you kind of connect with what your precious partner in life, your body is asking for, you'll see that it wants what's best for you. It wants you to succeed at work. And so the more we can value and treat it with the respect that it deserves, it will give back rewards. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Heather. It's wonderful to have you joining me here today. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation today. It's the new year. It's a great time to reflect on a year that is probably the craziest year that any of us have ever lived through. It's great to reflect on what did work because even though it was a crazy year, you know, we've all come out and we're all resilient, but probably also thinking, well, what do we want to change for 2021? It's, you know, what needs to change? A lot of people have reflected that maybe things that they weren't spending time on, maybe they want to give a little bit more importance to. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we jump in, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and the kinds of clients that you work with? Give us a bit of context. Sure. Yeah, I'm a chiropractor by trade. I had a practice for about 25 years. And about two years prior to leaving practice, I started to get kind of that inner itch that many of us have had, where it's like, you need to be doing something different. And it took me a little while to recognize it and see exactly what it was. But what I had found is after 25 years, I've been dealing with patient after patient, largely corporate patients who were really interested in wellness. They really tried hard, but they kept failing at their goals. And I realized that there is a way to set foundational principles for wellness, help bridge the connection between personal well-being and professional success. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go do that. And so Mm. now what I do is I work with corporations and high performers doing exactly that, bridging the connection between their personal well-being and their professional success so that they can be more efficient, more productive and happier in their lives. Mm, I love that. And you know, I think it's so important to acknowledge that the journey that we're all on that brings us to where we are, because sometimes we don't think or realize that, you know, it's just a straight line from A to B. It's not. So what was it? What was that catalyst, I guess, that made you, you know, you had this yearning to do something different, but what was it that actually made you stop and do something a little bit different and put this, you know, program together and the way that you work with people in such a different way? You know, I'd love to say I woke up one morning, I had the idea for this current program that I'm doing, and I left practice and I started doing it, but I didn't. I thought I was going to be a blogger. I wanted to write. And so I, yeah, and I started writing and writing and writing and doing tons of blogs and tons of blogs. And I was just like, I love the writing piece, but I don't feel like I'm having the impact that I want to have. And so then I started doing some consulting sort of one-to-one And then I was like, no, I really like presenting in front of a group. And so I got a few opportunities to present to like Microsoft and some local companies and a couple different companies here and there. I got my feet wet and I was like, okay, now I understand I needed to go through as we all do in retrospect, looking in the rearview mirror, 
I needed to learn how to write correctly. I needed to how to learn how to put a presentation together. I needed to learn what the key factors were that people resonated with in regard to their own well-being and how to change it. And so those couple of years that I spent doing that were not lost. They were very valuable in the steps that it took to get me where I am now. And so it, it is funny because I, I thought, oh, I'm just going to be this blogger. And then now I'm doing something completely different. And lots mm. of us find ourselves there, but I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. So what, so for anyone that's listening to this right now and they have this burning desire to do something differently, what's one little piece of advice that you could give them to take that step towards the change? Because as you said, it's a journey. So a little message or a step that you can give them? Yeah. You know, honestly, I started doing little mini personal retreats early in practice where I would take a day or two days or three days away by myself and get very, very quiet. I call them deep dives. And I have found, Samantha, that until I spent that time getting quiet, I couldn't hear or register what that inner voice was saying. And I think we spend so much time in amongst the pressure and noise, often that voice goes unheard. So one piece of advice is to really honor stillness and quiet in a way, and I know you appreciate this with your background, in a way that allows your inner voice to have the freedom to say things that it might not normally percolate up. And, Mm. uh, And so I think there's opportunity for us, all of us to have those moments of stillness. Absolutely. And I think that even on the next step to that and layering on what you're talking about, because I could not agree more around, you know, those messages dropping in when we're still is to having the courage to know that it's important and to do something with it instead of pushing it down. And I think that you know, if I think about where people are, a lot of people in my world have been sort of reflecting this year, it's that they've just realized I've always wanted to do that thing, but yes. I've been pushing it down. So it's not just to allow that message to come out, but to actually have the courage to act on it as well. Well, and I think you've just touched on it too, 2020, all so many things that weren't so great about 2020, but one thing that was is for many, it allowed an earth crack to open up and say, wait a second, you are so crazy busy. Your life is nuts. Take a minute. We all had to clear our schedules. We all had to drop all the tennis balls and decide which tennis balls to pick back up. So we're in a unique opportunity of a blank canvas now starting 2021 to say, hold on, what do I, what's, what am I passionate about? What brings me joy? What are my dreams? What, if I'm going to shift, this is a great time to shift. So for those that are thinking about it, this is an ideal energetic time to take that big step forward. Mm, Absolutely. So what was it in you that had you, what, you know, what was your backstory that wellness was really important to you? Mm. Like you're a chiropractor, but I'm guessing And I'm just taking a stab in the dark here that there's some story that's there that really was the, that made you realize the importance of wellness. You know, there is. And where I would start that is how about a college dorm room in the shower, bawling my eyes out at Mm. 20. I found myself arthritic. I had thyroid issues. I had gut issues. I was overweight and I did not know what to do with myself. And if we back up when I was nine, I grew like a mastiff puppy and I was a competitive gymnast and mastiff puppies don't do back handsprings on the beam. So I had to quit and I quit and instead focused on another sport, which was competitive binge eating. And so I, I, I just, I ballooned. I got so heavy in college, which then translated in the weight was just a symptom of so many other things, underlying issues. And I thought, 
my word, if I'm going to turn this Titanic of health issues around, I have got to make myself a priority project. And so I started studying everything I could on wellness and that led me into chiropractic and becoming a personal trainer and getting a certified wellness specialization in my profession. And then it was 25 years of practice of working on, I live in a unique area, Samantha, where it's Microsoft and Expedia and Amazon, T-Mobile. Those are all right. I forgot you're in Seattle straight away. I'm like, I know exactly where you are. (laughs) Yeah. And so I would, I kept getting 25 years of these patients getting on my table and me seeing the degrading wellness that was happening among them. And I just, I couldn't keep quiet anymore. And and I love private practice, but it didn't allow me to sit across from someone for as long as I wanted to have that conversation and really dig into their wellness concerns and, and their wellness drivers, the drive behind why they truly wanted to be well and helping them uncover that. So Mm, mm. yeah. It's such an important part of who we are. And I love that you said that we're a priority project. I think that's such a great term for the way that we need to be thinking about ourselves. And as entrepreneurs, our health and wellness is so vital to what we can produce in our business. And I think, you know, like you said, I I did come from that background, but also had this moment in sort of in starting up a business again and being behind a computer where Mm. I did let that go. And, you know, I didn't like the feeling that it was, especially when you've been really fit before and really healthy and well to go back and it's like, whoa, this is not good. And understanding or starting to really reflect and notice on how that was affecting my business What do you see or what would you like to add here on how important wellness is to our business and to us being able to show up in our business the way that we want to show up? Yeah, well, on the surface, we need to make that connection between, you know, staring down the open end of a bag of chips and how you show up in the boardroom three days later and understand that there's a deep connection between how you move your body, how you fuel yourself, how mindful you are. The first thing I typically do with clients though, is a really foundational piece called discovering your wellness why. And I think until we dig down deep and understand truly why we wanna be well, it's very difficult to commit and stick with changes in our life. And can I just share a story about a client of mine? I was tasked with uh, working with a corporate group who they wanted to start with the discovery of wellness why process. I had them all around a table. They're all working on a legal pad with pen to paper. How that's how I like to work, pen to paper. And there's one gal at the end who is just not writing. And I went over there and I said, Jane, what's going on? And she just showed me her paper and it was blank, except for at the very top it said to be healthy. And I said, is that your wellness why? And she said, yeah. And I said, oh, well, but why? And she said, well, because I guess I just, I want to be active when I get older, but why? Because I, I guess I, I want to be independent. And I, we just kept going back and forth. Why, why, why? Suddenly everyone's pens are down. They're all watching us. And all of a sudden her face changed and she looked at me and she said, because I don't ever want to tell my two grandsons that Noni can't do that. Mm. And I went, okay, we got it. And if we can get there with 
you know, anyone, then they can have a great opportunity to incorporate wellness into their life in a way that's sustainable, practical, completely doable, and so huge on using wellness as a strategy to help them live, work, and play optimally. Mm. So where do you get started with your clients? Because I think that this is, you know, is another little piece where people say, but you know, how do I do that? I'm so busy. Where do I get started? And you know, it's just, it's, we can't start by running a marathon the day that we decide that, you know, wellness or health is important. (laughs) So where, where do people start once they've figured out their why, like what, where do they move from there? Yeah. Great question. This may surprise you, but the very next thing that we do is something called an energy leakage liabilities. And it's simply this, as soon as I explain it, everybody's like, oh yeah, I totally get that. We are a bucket and we have holes in our bucket where we're spilling our most precious resource, which is our energy. And there are places in our life where we're doing that very unnecessarily. So things like multitasking, worrying, not paying attention or not paying attention, over-focusing, toxic relationships, all sorts of things cause us to spill energy in ways that we don't need to. And until we shore that up to the best of our ability, that makes it very hard to have the appropriate resources and mind share to move forward with your wellness. So you might have this big ambitious goal to get fit or lose weight or start a mindfulness practice. But if you're just peppering your energy everywhere, all over the place, you're not going to have the energy to do it. And so we start there and we're like, where can we shore up for you as you flow through your day? Where can we lessen your decision fatigue? Where can we create processes and procedures throughout your day that just make it smoother? How can we create a fueling system for you where you eat super healthy, but it's not a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that would be our second, our second place after the wellness wise, just like, look at where we're spilling our energies. Wow, I've actually never heard that before and it makes so much sense. Can you give us some exact examples of how you've been able to work with clients on, you know, what was their energy leakage and how did you shore that up? Because I think that this will help people with a little bit of context on how to apply this in their life because I know that I'm already sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, okay, that's making a lot of sense. I think the big, well, probably one of the biggest one is decision fatigue. And I'll explain a lot of people have heard of that, or maybe they haven't, but all that means is our brain has a certain amount of glucose for the day. Your brain's like a cell phone battery. So when you wake up, you have full bars and everything you do through during the day kind of pulls at those bars. One of the biggest brain suckers is decisions. And so, you know, we go through our day, we're making decision after decision after decision. And if we're making decisions on silly little minutiae, then we're wasting our brain energy for the big decisions. And so a great example is someone like Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you Google him, every single image is him in a blue t-shirt and a pair of jeans Mm -hmm. because he decided a long time ago, that's what I'm wearing to work every day. I'm not going to re-decide that every morning. And I had a teacher who was a patient and every September she brought five outfits, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, she make, got made fun of, but she never had to wake up in the morning and remake that decision. Mm-hmm. And so if we can approach our day and say, where can I streamline, create a system where I don't have to re-decide every morning? For me, it's putting my keys in the same place every time that I don't have to go running all over the house trying to remember where I put them, right? And so it's, mm-hmm. it's things like that. And so time management, productivity, certainly those are obvious ones, but 
things where we're just like overpaying attention or we're, we're doing the wrong things at the wrong time of day. You probably have a lot of that education going on in your lab and stuff talking to people about how to be, how to create efficiencies in their day. Absolutely. And just, you know, I love that you use the Mark Zuckerberg analogy or, you know, idea right up front, because it's something that when I read about it, it just, it resonated and made so much sense to me. And I very often wear the same thing every day. So yeah, the point that a few people said, you were in that top again. Yep. <laughs> yep, I am. Because I think, and the reason I want to say this is because it's often brought up that males do this. The yeah. males wear the same thing every day, but it's very rarely brought up that females do it. So I just want to say, I think it's okay for all of us if we decide to wear the same thing every day. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I think it's great too. And you know, another thing that I educate folks who are busy and working, it's okay to have the same dinner on a Monday and then the same dinner on a Tuesday. And, that, and so that you pre-know, you know what you're having for dinner each of those days. Go crazy on the weekends, but during the week, prep what you can on a Sunday and then have the kind of good old 1950s family, whatever on Monday nights and Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights, it does, it makes you not have to remake that decision every day. And then you and actually them. there's another layer to that too, because I also do this. I'm a big believer in, and it happened about 18 months ago. I realized that I was just exhausted from making decisions and how I picked it up was actually that my husband was asking me things and I'm like, I, I don't know, can you make the decision? And I started saying, why am I acting like that? That's not me. That's not the normal yeah. person that I am. And I thought, but I don't do that all day, every day. So it was something I picked up in myself. Now, another layer of cooking the same thing on the same dinner every week is also it makes your grocery shopping really fast because you know exactly what's going in the trolley every yeah. single week. And it just I can do our I can do our grocery shopping in 10 minutes. Yeah. And even if you just say, okay, this month, this is how we're doing it. Change it up next month if you want to. But the fewer decisions we can make with that, the more you'll have a little extra energy for jumping on your Peloton bike or whatever it is that you can do to, to contribute to your wellness in a way that you haven't been. Uh, mm. so, yeah, I think that's essential. So good. Such a good, such a good tip there. Yeah. So you have a a wellness amplifier program with, and one of the pillars is activation. Can you actually just, before we even jump into or deep dive into activation, what are the pillars of your wellness amplifier? Yeah. So it's a three pillar program. It's activate, adapt, and ascend. And activate has everything to do with discovering your wellness. Why identifying your energy leakage. And the third piece of it, a really key piece, I think, for wellness is discovering and curating your wellness pit crew. And what I mean by that is we, especially now after last year, we need support and support looks different for everyone. So I had a patient mm -hmm. come in, uh, Linda, who said to me, doc, can you help me with my lip? And I said, Linda, I'm a chiropractor. I <laughs> and she said, no, my Linda improvement plan. And I'm like, Tell me more about that. And so we talked about it and she said, you know, I've just spent the last 20 years raising boys and pursuing a career and I've lost myself. I don't know who I am when I look in the mirror. I'm overweight, I'm unfit, I've forgotten what I'm passionate about. So together we put together a small pit crew. It was me, her physical therapist, her trainer, Dirk, and one gal at work who she didn't even know very well, who she attributes to most of her success. Her only job was to reach up over the cubicle on Mondays and say, Linda, did you hike on Saturday? So she <laughs> accountability. 
And yep. so the, that third part of the activation, the initial stage is we've got to curate a group of people around us that are supportive and encourage us in the wellness direction we want to go. Mm. And, and to revisit that regularly and say, what am I, what part am I missing? Is it a counselor? Is it some kind of, it doesn't have to be a person that, you know, one of the people on my pit crew is Brene Brown. And I mm. listen to Brene every single day. And so she's part of my pit crew because she makes me better. And that's a lot to do with what our pit crew is, is how do the people around you, how can they support you in the wellness movement you want to make? Mm. What are some of the ideas of people for our pit crew? You know, it's not always just someone to give us a massage or a trainer. What are some of the different people we can start to think about? Well, I'm going to tell you who they're not and who they're Ah, not. Ah, even better. (laughs) Yeah. Who they're not typically is your partner or spouse or your best friend. And the reason is because they love you exactly as you are and they may not realize it, but they're not real vested in you changing. And so if you're trying to get somewhere, sometimes they're like, no, I like you just how you are, even though they would go, yes, I'm totally behind you. But then they show up with the bottle of wine on Wednesday night and say, come on, you got, we can do this. And so we want to go outside that real inner circle and maybe get some objectivity, some non-emotional input. And so you mentioned some of them, like your trainer, your acupuncture, your chiropractor, your physiotherapist, psychologist. But again, the coworker who is one word of accountability to you every Monday morning, it can be just a tiny thing. And then I always recommend have a non-person that you don't know, somebody that you're following, but follow them consistently. So we are bombarded with information and I could follow 10 different people, do 10 different meditations from 10 different guides. And I'm only skirting the surface of their teaching. So I strongly suggest for you guys, as you're curating your wellness pick group, pick one person you want to follow for the whole year. So is it a Brene Brown? Is it a a Sarah Blondin is someone who I follow, who's a great meditation person, you know, pick somebody who you can dig deep into their work and really learn and sit at their feet and absorb what it is they have to give rather than just one or two little things that you do with them and then move on to the next person. Mm. I think it's much richer that way to be able to, to really learn with somebody. Apprentice. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. I think one of the words that you use there, which was, is I want to re- touch on is consistently. Mm. I think consistency here is key. Yeah. What are some of the strategies that you use with your clients or even yourself to create a new consistency pattern? Yeah. Well, the very first thing is self-compassion and because people are lacking and they also think self-flagellation is motivating and it's not. In fact, we've proven over and over again in science that your inner bully speaking up is not in your favor. So we need to practice a a really strong level of self-compassion first. Then the second thing is the 80-20. It's not if you fall off the wagon, it's when and how long does it take you to stand up and dust off your jeans and get back on? And working on that timeline of being compassionate when it happens, when you miss a workout, when you overeat, when you forget your meditation or you're, you know, you're not attending to relationships in the way that you should be having the skills and tools to go, okay, how do I snap out of this quicker? And so that it's more of an 80, 20, 80% I'm on task, 20%, a little wiggle room. That's a healthy ratio to pursue and mm. a realistic one. And so mm. we got to bring the, the bar down a little bit and we're never going to be hundred percent at anything. And 
be compassionate and allow that 20% of wiggle room, uh, but be right on, you know, on task and, and the other 80%. And it's doable. Mm, totally. It's doable. And I, I think that <laughs> what you said that you will fail or you will fall oh, off the sure. horse. I think that even just that is yes. a very empowering under, or, you know, it's um, empowering to understand it because yeah. I think that, you know, these things happen and we go, oh, far out, stuff that up. And then it's just like, we'll stay off the wagon instead. You know, yeah. we failed. You think no one else fails. It's just us, yeah. but it's not that at all. And understanding, okay, so it happened and it's okay. Yeah. And I think then the, uh, that underlining an uh, underlying wellness, why to be able to go, why am I doing this again? Oh yeah. I want to be able to get on the ground with my grandkids. I want to be able to climb Mount Everest at 70. I want to be able to lift my suitcase into the overhead bin at 90. If you can connect back with that, that really helps shorten that amount of time that you're off the wagon and allows you to pop back up a lot more quickly. Mm. I really want to deep dive into the business owner now, the entrepreneur. It's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about wellness. But I think it's something as we're busy building, growing, scaling our business that even though the thought of our health and wellness is there, that it's very easy to go, I've just got to get this done today. I'll deal with that tomorrow. Instead, let's focus on what some of the things that will help the, the benefits in our business today why would we want to stop today and go i'm going to draw a line in the sand i need to take my wellness into consideration now what are the benefits that we're going to see in business yeah so the first one i'll start with my personal favorite which is fitness and exercise and so what we fully understand is that brain chemistry is completely reliant on movement of the body we are perpetual motion machines if we are not moving our brain is not working you are not solving problems creating ideas or moving forward with your business in the way that you could if you moved your body every day and once high performers can see the reason behind and they can see the benefit to their bottom line it makes it a much easier sell and mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with fuel we understand that Food is an apothecary. It is, it changes brain chemistry. It changes how we see the world and how we can focus and how we can be creative in our work and how we can sit longer and work on a particular project if we've eaten the right food. And it's a matter of connecting that for people. And we just have to keep reminding them until they make that a a behavior or a habit. And then I think that word habit really touches on things is we've all created routines in our life. We brush our teeth every day, you know, these sorts of things. If we can start to think of fitness and food as part of our workday in many ways, and how do we create processes and practices that are just consistent and kind of no brainer by linking them to things we're already doing, by making them realistic, by celebrating uh, wins when we do achieve those goals, that can make it much more consistent. So I think it's that always drawing it back. What happens physiologically to us that benefits our business? And I want more of that, right? Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. It's about creativity. It's about focus. It's about all of those things. And, you know, it's, for me, it was about, you know, stopping and changing and doing something different because habits, we talk about habits in a good way, but habits can hold us back in a bad way too. You can get in the habit of, I'll just get this job done. I'll just get this job done. And I even had to 
tell my trainer that I did it on the weekend. I sat down with some reports on the weekend in the, with my morning coffee and next minute I looked at the time and went, oh, it's time to cook dinner. And I had not moved (laughs) and I had to tell her that too because we do make, we do have bad habits and good habits uh, and it's about, you know, acknowledging and changing and what do we need to do to make it different? Yeah, I think so too. And so, you know, if you don't mind me using as an example, you forgive yourself, you say, how, how could I have handled that differently? How could I have, oh, maybe I could have set an alarm. Maybe I could have created an external trigger, like having my gym clothes right next to me on the couch. Uh, You know, maybe there were ways that I could have done that differently. No judgment, not emotional, but going forward, this is how I'm going to do it. And we learn and we learn and we learn every time. Absolutely. And yeah, getting back on the, getting back on the horse. So I will share that on Sunday morning, we got out of bed and went straight (laughs) to walk up to the lighthouse on a hike because I went, oh, no, no, we can't do that again today. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I love that. And, you know, going back to talking about our brain battery is at its fullest charge in the morning. Morning movement is the easiest way to get it done because, you you know, you can get it done and then it's done all day. Like you can always think, okay, but I got that walk into the lighthouse. Okay, I got, you know, that workout in. And so if we can work that to be one of the things that's part of our morning routine, then it's just ideal. Actually, I'd love to, it's really interesting that you've brought this up because this is something I've been on a bit of a journey with and with my clients and I haven't talked a lot about it just recently is that, I've always been a big believer in morning routine. You know, the gurus, the successful people talked about the importance of a morning routine. I definitely have more energy in the morning. So that's when I used to train. I used to journal, meditate, do all of my things in the morning until about six weeks ago, I went, actually, I'm most productive in the morning. So when I get out of bed, in actual fact, instead of doing what the gurus tell me to do, what if I just jump straight into work in the morning? but they've finished at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And what I've actually started to do, and this is where, and the reason I'm sharing this is it's really important to understand your own flow because yeah. what I was able to do was get my whole day's work into four hours, five hours in the morning. My and gosh. now I go to the gym in the afternoon. Yeah, and I don't have to worry about doing work when I get home. Now I get back from the gym. Sure, sometimes I have calls. Sometimes I have to work with the team, but I'm not doing super deep creative work. I don't do any planning. I don't do any reports or, you know, writing blogs, anything like that. It's done. I did it when I was most productive in the morning. And for me, understanding that my flow and listening to my body rather than listening to someone else's idea yeah. of what I should be doing has been a game changer in my business and a couple of my clients have done the exactly the same thing they were like we were wasting our whole morning our most productive time doing our morning routine and then faffing around for the afternoon (laughs) yeah there's a a, a psychologist a phd psychologist named michael bruce who wrote a book called the power of when and he Uh uh he divides us into four chronotypes Uh of have you heard of him before? No, never. Okay. No, please, please really go cool. for Yeah, it's really cool because he talks about that these four chronotypes each have different times of day where things work best for them. Uh-huh. Uh, like everything from exercise to work to sex to anything, right? And it's I, I, it makes me curious what your chronotype is because that's definitely not true for me. And so uh-huh. we're probably very different. But I will say to you, there's there are authors out there, several different ones who've talked about head down and head up time and head down is our creative thinking, our problem uh-huh. solving, our, you know, getting through a special project 
And head down time is typically best in the morning when our brain battery is at its fullest. And so that kind of makes sense to me. And back to Dr. Bruce, he talks about how two to three 30 for just about everyone is crap time. We're not productive. Mm -hmm. We're tired. We're in a slump. It's a great time to step away. And so I really like his work in that, that it's consistent across all chronotypes that two to three to 30 time is not the time to be trying to solve problems and, no. you know, do all that. So it's a great time to go and work out. And he says, and other authors talk about head up time, emails, connections, phone calls after late afternoon. Yeah. And so that definitely works. And I think yeah. as far as the morning routine is what, if I'm sharing kind of my thoughts on that, because it took me a long time to establish a morning routine. The only thing I suggest is that your brain, as it wakes up, is still very much in creative and introspection and processing mode. And mm -hmm. the minute you turn on your phone and look at it, your your brain is focusing outward instead of inward. And mm -hmm. so starting to solve problems, no matter, even if you're just looking at Facebook, it's going, oh, and, and it's making judgments and decisions and processing outward. We want to allow at least a little bit of time for that processing from sleep to kind of slow down and to kind of have its way. So even if just, you know, over your cup of coffee, we're not quite looking at phone yet or whatever. And then you have your turn on time half hour after waking up still allows your brain to kind of go through its final phase of that processing. And I, I really think that's powerful for creatives, which all entrepreneurs are creative. So that would be the only piece that I would recommend preserving. And then mm. if you find your flow state is so good at that time, I think it is honoring for you to be listening to that from your own body and customize it for yourself. I think that is the most important thing is that when we're focusing on our productivity, on our health, on our wellness, and this goes right back to the very, very first thing you said, it has to work for us. Yes. We have to be intuitive. We had to be paying attention to our own bodies and understanding that we need to do it the way that it works for us. I also, I love, I love structure. And I think that structure is also, we need to be able to flow within that structure. It, yes. and, and that's exactly what you're saying, but it's about realizing how we flow best uh -huh. and that how intrinsic the way that we're exercising, eating, yeah. meditating, all of our movement, all of these things is to our business and how we're creative, the, you know, the amount of work that we're outputting, all of these things all work together so it's so close. And, um, and I think the more you look into it, the more you kind of connect with what your precious partner in life, your body is asking for, you'll see that it wants what's best for you. It wants you to su succeed at work. And so the more we can value and treat it with the respect that it deserves by fueling it properly, by moving it as it's asking for, it will give back rewards. And so I think that's a really key element is to keep remembering that we are a partnership, our mind and body through this whole journey and that we have to kind of keep talking to each other and asking each other, what do we need? So mm, mm, I love it. Now, Heather, I believe that you have a free gift for our listeners today. I certainly do. I thought, you know what we talked, we're going to probably talk about the wellness why or the wellness driver. I would love any of your listeners who are interested to take a workbook, work through it and discover their own personal wellness. Why in their own time, it takes probably 30 to 45 minutes. And so they can download that with the link that's going to be in the notes. So perfect. I, yeah, it'd be great. 
And I think that, you know, while we're just come out the other side of the holidays, we've, a lot of us have got time to reflect. It's a really, really great time before we get into the busyness of the year to stop and really reflect on what is important to us. Um, yeah. Because, you know, as business owners, all of us have goals that we want to set this year. And I think that understanding yeah. how our wellness will attribute to that is such an important piece of the puzzle. I think so too. And with kind of the unknowing of what's coming and let's be real, we never knew what was coming. We might've thought. Oh, no, we did uh, not. <laughs> but, but, but in all of our lives, you know, we think we have control and have, we know what's happening and all of that, but it, you know, it's always shifting, always moving. But I do think, you know, you mentioned goals and I, the clients that I've been speaking to, some of them are a little kind of reticent to start to set wellness goals or, or professional goals because, well, let's just see what happens. I think you encourage, and I definitely encourage, take, set the goals. You can shift them, but start yes. putting it out there, what you yes. want to happen. And yeah. so I think that's really key. Fight over the fear of going, oh, I don't know what's going on. And we're all going to be on lockdown. And am I going to be able to go speak at that event and whatever? Just put it in there. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think put the energy out and start preparing for it. And you can shift in motion if you need to. Absolutely. If we've got some goals, we're able to move the goalposts a little. If we have no yes. goals, where are we going to end up? And, and you know, and it's so important. How do people connect with you, Heather? For people that have listened to this and say, I love what Heather's talking about. How do they stay connected? <laughs> well, certainly Instagram is the best place to contact me personally. And I always consider these podcasts the beginning of a relationship. So please come over there, just hit follow and then message me and I'll be sure to get the message. I'd love to know what your wellness why was once you download the PDF. And I would just love to know kind of any questions you have about as wellness connects to your entrepreneurial journey. I would love to have, you know, chat with people about that. I love learning more about how people are connecting that for themselves. So Instagram is great. LinkedIn, I'm on there all the time too. Love it. What is one thought or one something, little piece of gold that you would like to leave our listeners with for setting up for a fabulous 2021? Oh my goodness. You know, at the risk of sounding repetitive, just based on all the conversation I've been having is people are being very hard on themselves and they're not allowing themselves to point the finger toward themselves in regard to empathy. We're very concerned mm -hmm. about what's happening with the common good people and not common people, common global, globally what's happening. And so the idea that as we point toward ourselves and build our own self-compassion, that allows us to amplify our ability to be empathetic. And so I think we can do both at the same time and showing ourselves self-compassion during this very tricky time, allowing your body to rest when it needs rest, getting more sleep, pulling inward is okay. If you just need some time to process what's happening, leaning into the relationships that are within your core group, those kinds of things are, I think are essential and, and just being so, so kind to yourself. So that I think is my closing response for that. I love it. 2021, be kind to yourself. Let's yeah. leave it with that. Yeah. <laughs> Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. And thank you so much for sharing all your little nuggets oh, of wisdom with us today. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. And thank you for the work you do. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to listening to more and more podcasts from you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Whenever you're ready, here are three ways I can help you. Number one, grab a free copy of the Thought Leaders Positioning Checklist over at samanthariley.global forward slash checklist. 
Number two, check out my inner circle for coaches, experts and change makers over at samanthariley.global forward slash inner circle. Or number three, connect with me to discuss how I can work with you on a more personal or a one-on-one level at hello at samanthariley.global. I look forward to hanging out with you here again on Thursday, right here on the Thought Leaders Business Lab.